Hi gang, you've got Jake here from Ghostly Activities, and today is the second episode of my interview with Ross Allison. On this show, we'll talk about the TV media deals, you know, TV shows like Ghost Adventures, Kindred Spirits, Ghost Nation. We'll also talk about the different university speaker series that a ghost hunter can be invited to, and then finishing off with the paranormal conferences, where you can make some cash giving a class or speaking about a ghost hunting subject. So with that, let's start with Ross. Uh, so Ross, let's move over and talk about media production and um, your journey uh, within the television world <laughs> without getting into, you know, ghosty shows themselves. Cause you know, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> Are you sure we could go on for hours? And hours? I, yeah, true. <laughs> very true. But a, a lot of people think just because you're on TV, you're a successful ghost hunter. Uh, you know, we'll spoil it. That's a lie. <laughs> oh, and I want to give you kudos to that one because that's one of the things that I respect you the most is like, you're right. People think that, you know, if you got a television show that you're an expert in this field and one of the things that you know you do and you publish is like, you'll look these people up and say, who the hell is this person? Mm -hmm. and, and you even talk about, you know, some of their background and, and, and you find that a lot of them have no background whatsoever in the paranormal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think because a lot of people would be like, you know, if I can just get my ghost hunting team, a TV series, A, that's like trying to bottle lightning. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's a very long process to oh, do yeah. it. But as we talked about earlier, just by being, and I'll call these, when you're on TV, let's be real, you're a media personality. Mm -hmm. And with that, you come with an audience built in. Now, I, I will say on the shows, they're usually very good about having part of the team is where very experienced and well-versed in ghost hunting, not necessarily the entire team, because remember it's entertainment and you need a narrative. So taking someone on the journey of, I just fell into this and now look, I'm a legit ghost hunter. Uh, I would say the most recent is Mustafa from ghost hunters on A and E. He was a Buzzfeed journalist who had no experience with ghost hunting. And now he's about to launch a book with Brandon on the series, who was the tech guy who does have a very deep background in ghost hunting. Yeah, I've worked with Brandon. Yeah. So, I mean, that kind of narrative is more so for the audience, but for you as a ghost hunter, let's get real about TV media production and even an audio production in that regard. I've been doing this, like I said, close to 30 years, and I have been approached numerous times to be on television shows. I've been featured on quite a few. I've been on on all the, the major ones. Um, but it's a thing that, you know, one of the things I, I do want to point out, too, is I know a lot of people, you know, get into this for the wrong reasons because they think, oh, you know, like you said, you know, if I can get a television show, I'm set for life. One of the things you have to consider, you don't get paid a lot of money for being on relative, uh, reality TV. You know, I've known people that have been on shows, you know, for, you know, two seasons and they basically made from $500 an episode to $1,000 an episode. You know, can't really make a living off of that. Um, you know, I've done a lot of the shows and I didn't get paid anything. You know, for me, sometimes you, you do these shows just for the exposure. 
as you're you know trying to get your name out there. So there's been uh, a ton of these shows that I didn't get paid nothing to be on the show. Um, but there's, as I said, you know, I've been approached uh, quite a few times to be on shows uh, to have my own show, and um, I've I've turned them down just because the the concept of the show was ridiculous. Um, the the people wanted the production company um, was ridiculous as well. Um, so you really do if you're very serious about this. One of the things that you really have to look out for is protecting your credibility because a show media alone can make you and break you. Um, they can make you look really good. They can make you look like an idiot. You know, I had a newspaper article that did a story on me. God, back in the day, um, it was about 20 years ago and basically referred to me as a member of a boy band than a ghost hunter. I can't. Wow. I can't say I ever heard that. I'm going to have to go look that one up. <laughs> yes, it's, it's out there. And so that, and that's back when I used to dye my hair blonde, you know, so. Oh, dear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah. So media can, you know, be your friend and it, and it could be your, your worst enemy. Um, so you have to be very careful about that. Um so I've always, you know, as we, as we learn now, media plays a big part in ghost hunting, a huge part. Uh, ghost hunting wouldn't be what it is today if it wasn't for the media. Um, so it's been its pluses and it's been its minuses as well, because now, you know, when I started my group, we were one out of 100 groups nationally. Now, today, you know, it's easy. Each state could have over 100 groups that it's made the field very competitive because of media. Um, but again, there is this false reality because when people have to realize reality TV is not really reality TV, uh, I've learned this from being on tons of shows. Um, you know, they'll like something that you'll say and they'll say, Oh, that's great. Can we redo that? But can you do it this way? You know, so that's not reality TV. Um I've been cut from shows because I will not lie about my experiences um, or, you know, make up stories. I remember one show wanted me to say that I'll tell the audience that you're so scared that you'll never come back here again. You know, and being a well-known ghost hunter, I'm not going to go on national television and say, ooh, I'm too scared to come here. Ooh, you know, get me out of here. Um Again, that that would affect my credibility as a ghost hunter. So I refused to do it. And so guess what? I got cut yeah. from the episode. You know, so it, it, it's, it's a tough one. It really is when it comes to the media aspect of it. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that you have to understand too, you know, even, you know, outside the television revenue, um, you know, as you brought up, you know, the audio as well with, you know, um, blogs. Um, and even vlogs as well. Um, it, it is a tough market because it is so competitive. You really have to work your ass off in marketing yourself. It's just like publishing your own book. It all comes down to marketing yourself. And you get a lot of those people, even outside the paranormal field, where they're constantly working day after day to build their audience because it's more mm -hmm. important about, you know, bringing in the followers, bringing in the subscribers 
and and bringing in the material that it becomes it can be a very stressful job especially in the very beginning when you're not making a lot of money doing it or even in most cases you're not making any money you know you don't make money until you're able to get the the subscribers and and you get uh, the companies that are willing to to pay you money to mm-hmm. advertise for them you know, yeah that's you, the that's the big thing is you have to come with a built-in audience right yeah and so you have to start from nowhere to get somewhere and and even with the online media it's becoming more and more competitive that they've even made that harder for people to to build their their audience mm-hmm. you know even with youtube you know they they filter it to the point where it's harder for your your content to get out there to an audience you know you have to I don't know how how it works. You would understand a little yeah. bit more about that. Yeah, the organic reach of it because you don't have the money to spend on advertising. This is one of the reasons why I actually got rid of my Facebook Ghostly Activities page because I did spend some cash to build up followers um, because you know you want your content seen by everyone. But what Facebook does is just because you spent money to get followers and likes. When you publish something, you're lucky to reach 10% of those people because Facebook's policy is, well, you know, if you're a personality or a business, you're not really someone truly connected to that person. So you have to spend money to maintain your relationship with the people that now follow you. And see, that's not fair. It really isn't because they're filtering people the opportunity Mm -hmm. to get their name out there. Because you know, basically, it's the 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 classic statement: it makes it takes money to make money. Yeah. So I think a lot of times you have to think, especially with media, it's almost like you're constantly doing a PR campaign, right? And you have to think about each, you know, channel of media. If it's going to be like a YouTube or social media, or you're going to do a blog and a website. Um, you're going to write books or something. You have to have multiple channels to stay in touch with your audience. And it's still tough to break through. I will say search is search is probably still the best way to do it, a search engine, but even that is getting radically changed. Uh, And and it's always changing too. mm -hmm. You're in the industry that, that, that always changes from year to year. So even when you're, you think you're on top of it, you know, next year it could change and you're Mm -hmm. back at the bottom. Yep. You know, so it is a constant struggle um, to, to maintain that. And that's been my biggest downfall is I'm not the kind of person that's constantly out there marketing myself. I could be a lot further in this, you know, career if I had been that that personality, um, you know, whoring myself around, mm-hmm. I guess, as you put it. But uh, it, in all honesty, that's basically what you kind of have to do. Yeah, um, yeah, it's true. It's it's like any celebrity type thing. In order for you to make your living, the product is you. <laughs> right. Right. And and you always have to keep it fresh and and keep engaging and you know it's tough especially if you got a day job you got kids it is it yeah. is um, you know one of the things also people have to understand that your audience can be very fickle as well somebody younger cuter you know <laughs> they come along and take your audience away yeah. so that's again you're constantly you know having to 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 rework yourself and 
change, you know, things just to, to maintain an audience. And, yep. and that's why, you know, a lot of these shows tend to love the drama, you mm-hmm. know, because it, people love drama. Yeah. It's like a bad accident. You always want to stop and look. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, at the end of the day, if you really want to control that, and this goes with most everything we've been talking about is you pretty much got to make it yourself. Because if you're the producer, you record it, you write it, you edit it, and then you you can control it better. I mean, in a way, it can harm you, especially if you really want to be on a TV show. But you know what? There's things like Haunt Me on YouTube. It is a web series. And they make cash off that show. They film it just like a ghost hunting show. And it's better than half the ghost hunting shows out there. And it's made for YouTube. So that's another angle you could look into as well is film it and release it yourself on your channel of choosing. Well, I think it's it's definitely a good way um, to maintain your credibility. Mm-hmm. Um, because credibility is so important, but we we also know there's a lot of people that'll sell their soul just to, to get their 15 minutes of fame. True. But um for me, I, I just I'm not that person. I want, I, I focus so hard on maintaining my credibility, uh, my group's credibility, um, because it is hard to maintain that credibility when you're under the pressure of, you know, so many other people are able to be more successful because they're willing to lie. They're willing to manipulate the situation to make the audience happy. And, you know, some people say that may be my downfall, but that's not what I'm Mm -hmm. looking for. I'm not looking to be number one. I'm not looking to be the, you know, number one ghost hunter or the bestseller author or, you know, to have, I was not looking to have my own television show, you know, to have a television show, even when I started this group was not even something that you could even conceive. So, you know, it's, it was never my personal goal to be number one it was mm-hmm. always been to do the research and then it, it basically went from there to publish the research mm-hmm. so but we can also look at the benefits of the tv show you've got an audience for a lot of the other products that you might be media products you come out with and that's from the books to your own podcast to getting sponsorship it opens a lot of avenues for you. It's just there, there's a big trade-off. And I would say if you're going to go that route, <laughs> you have to say, I'm doing this to entertain people. And then there's right. the other side of you. <laughs> that, you know, once you get the audience, like, um, I'll, I'll just use this as an example. I recently read Amy Bruni's book, Life with the Afterlife. And you know, she's on kindred spirits and she's on go. She was on ghost hunters, but when you read her book, she exposed entirely different side to her that you don't see from the editing on the show. So, you know, since she is a celebrity now, she has a side business, which is strange escapes. That's something that came out of her media career as well, where she puts up these haunted weekends, ghost hunt weekends at these fabulously haunted places. And, you know, she made a business out of it, but you know, there's the TV side. I'm not slamming Amy for this. I'm actually a big fan of Amy. I think everyone knows how much I love kindred spirits. Uh, but, you know, it's it's kind of a trade-off. You know, what you see on TV isn't necessarily what's really going on. And when I read her book, she went into her technique and how she talks about evidence. You know, 
and there there was more to her than you see on TV. And so that that is a big element to a lot of this is you know you you if you don't have control over the material, you never know how you're going to be perceived. I mean, that's that's the big thing. If it's on TV, it's to attract and maintain an audience for advertisers. Right. So you ramp up the drama. We all know the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills does not exist. <laughs> Even the Kardashians are not as, <laughs> as authentic. So reality isn't totally reality. I guess if you do a hardcore documentary that you produce yourself, sure. But that's not necessarily what people pay to see. I think that's one of the big things because with the shows um, and if you land on a show, you know, you're not in control of the narrative and a lot of stuff is Frankenstein together. Take a clip here, sound clip there. You know, they have editors that are very good at making something out of nothing. And a lot of times with ghost hunting, there's a whole lot of nothing. (laughs) 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 <laughs> so how many times can we say that we've sat around in a dark basement waiting for something thing to happen, to happen. yes yes, yes. Never does. yeah and so uh but again that's for another topic but you know if, if you get on a show or you're creating a vlog or youtube channel and and you're doing like these show type narratives it's a good way to build an audience for yourself and parlay into other things like the conferences you might get paid to go to a conference and speak because believe me when you're not known like you pay for yourself at the hotel to get yourself there you know you might be able to sell some books but um so ross let's take another let's talk about another avenue you have of making some money as a ghost hunter and that's with your lecture series at universities. How did, how did this all happen? Well, again, it it came about due to the fact that I had established myself. Um, Again, I've been doing this now lecturing close to 20 years now. Um, And it started the fact that, you know, ghost hunting just started becoming popular. Um, so a agency had reached out to me because back in the day when you look up ghost hunting there was only quite a few groups nationally that would show up and we were one of them and so they were looking for somebody who could do public speaking not everybody in this field can do public speaking or good public speaking and so they just wanted somebody who was you know um, active in the field who knew what they were talking about and uh, I think that just kind of just took off from there. So I was just lucky, lucky to be in the right place at the right time. Right now, it is really hard to get into the field of the lecture circuit because it is so competitive right now. Um, you know, due to the fact that, uh, you know, a lot of these agencies are looking for somebody who is well established. And most of the people that are well-established are they're going to be wanting people from the television shows. Which we already so, talked about may not have a deep ghost hunting or paranormal background. Exactly. So to be honest with you, I've lost a lot of gigs to folks that have been featured on the television shows. You know, just because, you know, they have their regular ghost hunting show does not mean, again, that they're an expert in the field. So, um 
it's a tough field to be in, but I, I've been lucky enough to to be one of the first in the field of lecturing when it comes to the ghost hunting and going to a lot of the campuses. Um, so yeah. So how do you maintain with those universities understanding that there's so many, um, you know, you have personalities now and then you have local ghost hunting, um, we'll say experts in quotes because we know there are no experts. Right. Um, but how do you stay in touch with these universities? Um, is it, you know, you got your Rolodex or how's it work to get invited back? Well, all the time? unfortunately, due to the contracts, you are not in charge of reaching out to mm. the schools. Yeah, it's, they, they can actually sue you. Um, the, the agency um, under contract is the only people that will be the person in, in the contact with the schools. Um, so again, that all, uh, comes from the agency that you're able to, to work with. Um, so it's one of those that they, you know, fish out every year to try and get you lectures. Um, for me, I think what, and, and I know this is from the years of experience from doing this and getting feedback from those who have booked a lot of other speakers, they like the fact that the honesty again, that I, that I bring to the field. It's just like they get these people that come in and they tell you these, you know, grand stories, you know, floating heads and, you know, you know, being scratched and attacked and locked in rooms and, you know, all from the ghosts. And it's just so a lot of times they tend to be so over the top that it's just, it's hard to believe. And then I come in and I, you know, able to share evidence that, you know, from my experiences and some of it can be, you know, pretty frightening, even for myself experiencing it. And I think the that level of credibility and honesty has, you know, kept me in the field because again, it is very competitive now, especially when you're mm -hmm. competing against a lot of these television personalities. Um, I've been able to maintain uh, my appearance at a lot of schools on a, a yearly basis um, because they, they just like the way I, I, I tell the stories and mm -hmm. educate everybody. So this is not something folks are familiar with. Can you tell us more about these agencies? Well, there are a few. Um, you can look them up, um, usually lecture agencies. Uh, again, they're, I'm only being honest with you, they're really hard to get into because, you know, um, I, I've only been in a situation where I've been asked by a few to consider resigning with them and I've been loyal to the one I've been with. Um, but they're really, uh, I'm not trying to say stuck up, but you really do have to have a name for yourself. And that's why most of these agencies only work with people that have had television series that have written a number of books. Um, and again, they want people that are really engaging and are really good at speaking to an audience. Uh, for me, what got me in the door was that I had spooked in Seattle, that uh, I had you know a few books under me and I had a, a well-established ghost hunting organization. I, I still had to audition for, you know, to get myself in the door. Um, so 
that was another thing, you know, putting together a tape of you talking about, you know, what you're going to talk about on these lectures. So it, it is a really tough one. I, I would suggest if, if you want to get into that element of lecturing, teaching is going to be your first step. Um, you have to have, be very well um, familiar with the material because you also have to understand with lecturing, you know, even making appearance or even being on like, you know, shows like yours, you have to also be educated enough to tackle the questions that people will ask you, mm -hmm. you know, that that's the biggest thing is I, I've been on shows where they've had other guests and they'll ask them a question and the so-called expert didn't know how to answer the question or they avoid the question, you know, and so um, you have to be one of those individuals that can answer the questions, any kind of questions that they may ask about the paranormal. And it is okay just to say, we don't know because yeah. it's the true fact of the paranormal. We don't have all the answers. Mm -hmm. it's, it's important to be authentic people. It comes, it comes through. <laughs> it really does. If you don't you have know? the expertise or you're making something up. I mean, it's a different story. If you go, you know, I haven't had that experience based on my own personal experiences with this topic. I can say this and that, but you know, you don't have to say you're, you know, everything. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, the lecture, lecture circuit is, is a tough one. It really is. Um, I had never heard this stuff different. before. Yeah. Right. It sounds like it's almost like they get those motivational speakers that go around. Right. Exactly. It reminds me of that. And, and that's exactly what it is. You'll find that the motivational speakers will be with the same agencies that will actually have people do uh, you know, lectures for college students wild but i mean there's another avenue you can go to and that is with the paracons yeah and again you have to have yourself uh, you know i hate to say it established in some way uh because they do you know if anybody's going to come see you talk uh whether it's for a lecture or even for the the conferences or even for some sort of class you got to have a bio to back up what you're talking about you know, anybody could pick up a book on ghost hunting and read it and say, okay, now I'm going to give a lecture on ghost hunting. But, you know, you really do have to have the experience to, again, go back and answer the questions that people are going to be able to ask you at the, at the end of the lecture. Um, so experience has a, a main part in a lot of this. Um, so when it comes to lecturing at conferences, you know, a lot of the conferences will send out um, a call for speakers and uh, they want the bios. They want to know what experiences you have. But I've been to a lot of conferences where they get somebody up on the stage and they're like, oh, my God, this person is horrible. Absolutely horrible. You're falling asleep or what the content they're bringing to the table is actually horrible as well. Mm -hmm. I know me and June could talk about this for, for hours on end, uh, some of the people that we've seen speak. Um, so even that, you know, may even be a kudos for you because, uh, or, an, or an easier element for you to get into because sometimes some of these conferences don't filter uh, who they get to, to speak. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I liked about the Oregon Ghost Conference is, you know, they do send out a call for speakers 
So they gave everybody a fair chance mm-hmm. um, to, you know, offer yourself up to be a speaker. But again, I think it helps if you have the experience, you know, it's really hard watching somebody speak on stage when you can tell that they are so nervous the whole time mm-hmm. that they're just fumbling over everything and, you know, they can't get things to work right. So it really does help, you know, having more of a professional element mm-hmm. to it, to know how to handle things. If your equipment doesn't work, if your slideshow is not, you know, advancing. Cause it's going to happen. <laughs> it is. It's going to happen, you know? So you really do have to be familiar with the material. But um, speaking of that, but getting into the cons and stuff and, but how would you be proactive about positioning yourself to get one of these? Because I mean, a lot of times if it's a class or something, it's, it's decent cash for about an hour. (laughs) It is. It really is. Um, Well, one of the things that you really do have to, um, a lot of these conferences are every year. So Come in as, you know, just, um, you know, having a table. Um, Let the people that run the conference get to know you. Um, Sometimes, you know, just doing a class instead of, you know, being a main speaker, Mm -hmm. uh, putting on a class is a great way to start as well. Sometimes you really do have to work your way up to the top and establish yourself. Um, So it's okay to start at the bottom. And so that's, you know, for me, I, you know, I had to start at the bottom, you know, a few times with some of these conferences, even though, you know, I'd ha- had books, you know, uh, to my belt, you know, established investigations all over the place. You know, for me, I still had to come in at the bottom because, again, these people who run these um, lecture circuits or even the, um, you know, the conferences want to get to know you first. They want to know mm-hmm. that you're capable of doing or what they expect. That's true. That's true. Um, I've done a couple of the conferences and I think what's helped is because I've ghostly the website, I just send them links to the website. And it's like, like if I give a class on EMF meters, I've got a bunch of how to videos that they can check out, which is always useful, but let's talk cash money. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to give a class, is it flat fee or commission? And then also with these lectures, what you well, don't have to give, you don't have to give, you know, total dollar figures, but how, how does the contract, how, how does the payment work? <laughs> it, it depends. Lectures, there's a flat fee. Um, lectures can be very expensive as well. Um, I work for agencies where they'll just pay you a flat fee to do a lecture, but you have to cover your own costs to get there, uh, your own hotel. So a lot of times you may break even, or you may not make a lot of money at all. So, you know, be, be aware of that. Um, but when it comes to a lot of the classes, uh, there's been a lot of classes where, uh, you'll make a surge certain percentage off of the, the, the students that have, uh, bought the class. Or um, in most cases, when it comes to classes, you will get a certain percentage off of tickets sold. Um, lectures, most of the time, you'll get paid a flat fee. So that is the difference between the two because the smart way is, you know, if you're paying you know, somebody to do a class for you, 
you don't want to end up having to pay them a hundred bucks and no one signs up for the class. So you're out the hundred bucks that you had to pay mm-hmm. for this guy to, you know, to do the class for you. So most classes, uh, 99% of them will only pay you a percentage of how many you know, people mm-hmm. buy tickets for your class. Uh, lectures, they already have an audience that have paid to be at the venue. So of course it's easier for them to pay a, a flat fee for the lectures. Mm-hmm. I'm still kind of flabbergasted that with the lecture circuit, since it's, you know, pretty established and, you know, you're going to legit universities and stuff that they don't pay for your airfare and yeah, hotel as part of, of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of them don't, uh, but it's changed actually drastically throughout the years because it has become so competitive. You remember, again, like I said, I was doing this in the beginning, you know, before there were ghost hunting lectures at colleges and universities. Um, the thing was, I remember back in the day, you know, they used to have limo service pick me up at the airport. What? You know? Yeah, I, I miss those days. You know, they used <laughs> to have the limo service come pick me up at the airport, take me to my hotel, you know, then put me up at these really nice hotels. You know, there was some celebrity status to this. Um, but, uh, or I should say celebrity treatment, um, but uh, <laughs> not so much anymore oh, wow. uh, because it's gotten so competitive. Uh, a lot of the schools now will, you know, just pay uh, a local ghost hunter to come in mm. and they'll, you know, pay them like, you know, a hundred bucks, a couple hundred bucks to, to lecture for an hour on, on ghosts because they get to tell about the local, you know, lore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you get that will happen more often than having, you know, them, you know, have even for, you know, some of the big names that have their own television shows, they they've lost a lot of the lectures as well because schools are going with more local ghost hunters. Yeah. And budgets keep getting cut and stuff like that. So I mean, that does too. I could, I could totally see that. So Ross, what, how can folks get in contact with you and what's next for ghost hunter, Ross Allison? (laughs) Um, well, I always, uh, tell people, you know, you can always, uh, reach me through a ghost, the advanced ghosters of Seattle Tacoma or ghost.org. I have a page on there and there's my email. You can reach me through there. Um, but, uh, I have been establishing myself on Instagram and Twitter. So you can always go to Ross, a ghost and find me there to keep up with what I've been doing or what I'm doing. Um, but also to um, as to what's going on with me uh, due to COVID, I know we're all you know going through some major changes, especially when I'm in an element that does depend on uh, gatherings and lectures and tours. Uh, it's been a little slow on me, slow for me. So for right now, I've just been working on uh, my books. So uh, the next book that is due to come out. Uh, which I should be done with by the beginning of this year or early this year um, is Haunted Prisons with uh, David Weatherly. So that is our next big project. Plus we'll also have Haunted uh, Historic Hotels coming out early this year. So all I can do right now is just write my books and maybe get in a little bit of ghost hunting. Okay. Well, thank you for being on Ghostly Activities. Uh And thank you for tuning in, ghostly listeners. Uh, This has been Jake Rice, 
and special guest Ross Allison on how to make a living as a ghost hunter. Take care.